I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Stony Hi, Stony Brookers. Esme here. It's a mystery to us what happened to my audio this week, but we wanted to apologize that it sounds like I'm in a bucket. We blame the internet or the pandemic or 45. Not sure who. Hopefully I'll be back in business next week. In the meantime, please enjoy the beautifully recorded voices of Emily and Anne, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing book 23, Dawn on the Coast. Emily on the Coast, I wish. I know. Only Anne is truly on the coast right now, and she even lives inland in L.A. Mm-hmm. Don't tell people where she lives. <laughs> oh, that, that really that, that narrowed it down. <laughs> okay, let's get into our one-sentence summaries. Mine is... Dawn discovers babysitting clubs California style on a visit to her dad and brother, but ultimately decides the East Coast grind is a thing for her. Wow. A little projection there. (laughs) Okay, mine is Disneyland, avocados, spider plants. Dawn considers moving back to California. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. Mine is, like all Californians on the East Coast, Dawn goes home and is forced to confront how wonderful California is in contrast to dreary New England. Yep. There's so many avocado, like, longing for avocados in this book. Oh, yeah. I strongly identify with that sentiment. Yeah. It's not a small thing. Okay. You guys, we should probably tell you about the members of the podcast first. I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. And I'm Dawn Schaefer. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food. And I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, please check out our prologue episode. Also, it really actually helps if you rate and review us. It helps other people find the podcast. So we really, really appreciate those five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, commentary, or comments about anything BSC-related, please drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Instagram at stuckinstonybrook. I feel like there is a bit of desperation in your pleading for for ratings and reviews this time as me. You know, we've talked about this, okay? Emily doesn't care about anything. You play it cool and hard to get, and I don't have any chill. That's how it also, is. I don't know if either of you noticed, but it's been several episodes since Anne has had to vamp. Uh, I could do it uh, next time, guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, she's been she's been purposely she's been doing the lineup and purposely just alternating between you and me. That's not true. We're an indie podcast. We're just putting in the time. It, it helps us if people know that we exist. So it, I like when people give us reviews. No, it makes me happy for like five seconds. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. It makes me happier for longer than five seconds, everyone. And it just doesn't register with Emily at all. I don't read the texts. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, we're like put on do not disturb. And yeah. we just don't know that as me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty clear. Not actually, just kind of like in effect, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
There's a lot of communication. (laughs) It's true. Okay, so we got a new BSC Big Five today. You guys ready? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so this is Alana. She's from Australia, and we decided to pick her for this episode because her favorite book was Dawn on the Coast. Oh, nice. All right. Right, and she said when she read the books as a kid, she loved the environment and was a California girl, which sounded really cool to her. Um, So let's get into her description. So she says, in Australia, we don't have middle school. But since the BSC is perpetually stuck in year eight, I'll base it on that. I just moved to a medium-sized town from suburbia in the city. We moved a lot growing up. I lived with my single father, who had full custody of me when I was two. I have two half-brothers, but grew up as an only child. I was a typical latchkey kid and managed a lot of the household duties. All right. So we're already getting some strong Marianne vibes. Mm-hmm. The moving puts us in sort of Stacy, Stacy Dawn territory. Um, I was I was okay at school, but was more interested in the social side of it all. I was nicknamed Boy Crazy. It was even alert, in alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was even in the in the yearbook. Lol. Okay. And had steady boyfriends since I was eleven, which is also the age that I got my period at camp. Can you believe? Oh, wow. I was shy around adults, but completely silly with my friends. I had permed hair, and although I wasn't girly, I was seen as quite fashionable because I wore skater surfer brands like Stussy. Oh, more California aspiration. Mm -hmm. I guess I was a leader in my group of friends, but not in a school sense, as I was petrified of public speaking. I've never been sporty, but at this age, I was obsessed with horse riding. She's really ticking all the boxes here of a lot of these members. And I had exactly 40% everyone. (laughs) I'm calling it now. (laughs) And she had her own horse. Wow. The only other hobbies I can think of are reading and singing into a hairbrush in the mirror. I feel like that's a Stacey hobby. Yeah, that's a classic. My music tastes were varied and could swing between a love of new kids on the block, but also Pearl Jam. As an adult, I started off by working in childcare, didn't like how overly structured it was, so moved on to other things. Now I'm a psychic card reader. I know, I know. <laughs> she wrote yeah. We like your we like your self-knowledge, Alana. Mm-hmm. I'm currently in the process of editing my very first novel, so I have big hopes for that. It's fiction, but touches on anxiety and depression as I deal with those myself. I am happily married and have been with my husband since I was 19. I'm 40 now. We have two awesome boys. My hobbies are now bushwalking, water aerobics, if public pools ever reopen, reading and writing. So if you go hiking in Australia, you get to call it bushwalking? Is that what I'm learning? I don't know. That's a very good reason to move to Australia. I know. It sounds so much cooler. I wish I'm going to just start calling that here. (laughs) In Brooklyn? (laughs) Yeah, in Brooklyn. Okay. It's what you call it when you walk, when you uh, try to navigate trash piles. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> in, in, in Bushwick, you could call it bushwalking. God damn it. Why didn't I think of that? Uh, I was in Bushwick earlier. Uh, <laughs> on a walk. I went on a bushwalk today. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, and then she ends with, I'm very low maintenance and rarely wear makeup. My outfits are chosen out of comfort, not style. Huh. Man, I'm getting so many from each of them well uh, so let's rule out i'm not really hearing any claudia Mm -mm. no i mean okay at school but okay at school not like bad at school not like struggles at school right just say it as me she's not dumb 
<laughs> she didn't make any spelling errors, so it's yeah. obviously yeah. not Claudia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting like a really strong like Stacy Mallory like fusion, mm-hmm. which is like not one I would normally have yeah. put together, but I like it. I think it works. Yeah, totally. I think very high. Well, and Stacy gets along very well with the Pikes. That's not so big of a surprise, right? That's they true. Seem very yeah. different, but they they mesh well. Yeah. Um, but also a bunch of Marianne, right? The single dad, the mm-hmm. fear of public speaking, shy around adults, but silly with her friends. Yeah. I guess none of the girls really move a lot, right? Three of them move a couple times. Yeah. But I guess moving more than once is, is a Stacy thing, too. So Stacy, Mallory, Marianne, all pretty high. And then we got a little Christy. What about Dawn? I mean, I feel like some of the aesthetic music things are like random enough or a wide enough range that that could be a kind of dawn trait Mm -hmm. right like i like this but i also like that you know like Mm -hmm. bushwalking sounds like something dawn would like to do i do feel like alana is a total individual though (laughs) yes yeah the essence of dawn is there okay and then the low maintenance and close out of comfort is a Christy piece, but that's, that's kind of it for the Christy, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I think lower Christy than Dawn. Okay. So zero Claudia. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see any. Mm-hmm. Well, what about getting your period at camp? Is that a Claudia thing to do? <laughs> I feel like it's like bad stuff happens to Claudia. That's probably a, a pretty <laughs> <laughs> traumatic period stories. Now I'm yeah. early though, age 11. I bet that's Claudia might've had her period at 11. Well, by our by our speculations, yeah, it was certainly she had it when she was twelve. So right, okay. So what do we want to give her? Like two percent, Claudia? Yeah, just in case. Okay, and then and can we separate Jesse and Mal yet, or not really? I think there's more Mal than Jesse here, just because Mm -hmm. of the like being a writer dynamic. But I do, and I feel like Mallory would be more likely to get into horseback riding even though they're both interested in books about horses, given that Jesse already has valet. Oh yeah. And she's not going to, I mean, similar to what we were talking about with Claudia and the bad joke, Jesse's not going to risk horseback riding. It's physically dangerous. That could end her ballet career. Yeah. So I think this, this is one of the instances where the Mallory is ahead of the. Okay. So are we making separated two off separate, from Jesse? Do we feel confident that we can make two separate scales for them now? Oof. I don't know. There's still only like, that's the one thing that they say, even on their own right you know narration that's different is that okay. like jesse dances and mal wants to write a book or whatever okay so there's still one scale and she's going to be high on that but really we know it's it's mallory loaded yeah okay so two percent claudia 10 15 christy i think 10 okay great what like 30 dawn 28 okay and then are mal and stacy tied at the top and marianne between them and Dawn. I think so. So Stacy, do you want to say like 85? 85 Stacy and 85 Mal. Mm-hmm. And then like 70 Marianne? I think lower. I wish listeners yeah. could see Anne and Emily's faces. They're like so <laughs> twisted in, in thought. It's like very, very serious. Yes, well, it's a very official scale. So <laughs> 64. Mm, I'm going to say 67. Single dad shy what about 69 nice yeah let's do it okay (laughs) all right alana thanks so much for writing in (laughs) 
We think you're mostly a Stacy and a Mallory, but it'll be Jesse too, but she's not really there. We just don't know how to scale her <laughs> separately yet. Uh, followed by 69% Marianne, 28% Dawn, you're 10 Christy, and 2 Claude. All right, Emily, what was going on politically in this book? Mm, not much, frankly. We have a kind of recurrence of this like latent boys v. girls thing. There's a little bit of like Jeff and Don both being like, isn't it weird that like the boys live on the West Coast and the girls live on the East Coast? And then there's a little bit more of kind of like Nikki Pike being excluded by the triplets situation and not wanting to play with the girls. And then we have the reappearance of the boy hating um, babysitting charge who, girl I mean, hating. the girl hating uh, babysitting charge who now like still hates girl babysitters, but likes babies. So it's like very confusing. But there aren't many developments in any of these arenas aside, aside from this new baby loving development. Like no one sort of like learns anything about <laughs> <laughs> the the pitting of the or the separation of the the spheres i did think that the baby what's his, what's that kid's name rob we canceled something. him we weren't going to talk about him anymore rob what's is his the name character <laughs> in this book i i was like what are we supposed to learn about this <laughs> about him from this development that he like wants to take care of the babies it's from that babies in space is that what he's like learned all his baby knowledge from mm-hmm yeah, it's like a show where a they oh a book mm-hmm. where in order to I forget the plot of the book. It's babies in space. Yeah, but it's like a kids book that delivers a plot th- through like how tos and lessons about like what babies need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like the the action in space is like what do babies need when they cry. How do you feed them? Which sounds like a really weird kids book to me. I've, is it real? I have no idea. But my sense was that Rob, like Rob's burgeoning love for babies, is not so much a like softening of his woman hating as it is an intensification of his mansplaining. He's like, I know a lot about babies because I learned I learned it in this book. So let me teach you babysitters how to take care of babies. I agree. So anyway, Rob is still an incel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's still he's still on the path. To, yeah. to incel, incelism. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the only, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is that we keep getting Nikki Pike being excluded from boy things in the Pike house. We, I mean, we get it in a bunch of different books, but it's interesting that we get it in this Dawn book where she's kind of struggling with what it means that her dad and her brother live in one place and her and her mom live in another place and like kind of questioning like, what does that mean about my closeness to my brother? Like, what does that mean about my relationship with my dad? And it's kind of sweet that like one of the points of resolution is a bond between Nikki and Don mm-hmm. it sort of crosses a cu- um, cuts across those like interfamilial divisions by lines of gender in a really mm-hmm. sweet way. Um, you know, Nikki's like struggling and he writes Don a, a postcard being like, so excited. I miss you. So excited for you to come home. Like I've been spending time in the passage. Maybe we could do something there together when you're back. And it's yeah. this sweet moment where she's sort of like, oh, crap, I guess I got to go back to the East Coast. You know, yeah. And then the other big thing in this book for me was like the existence of the West Coast branch of the Babysitters Club and how they run it all cool and casual. And at first, Don's like, "This is great. None of Christie's oppressive, you know, rules." <laughs> and like, we still get to do right. We still end up learning about the kids. We talk about them and blah blah blah. And then ultimately, she kind of like laments the the absence of the sort of structure and rigor. And mm-hmm. um, uh, what's a uh, nice word that means bossiness? Uh, assertiveness, <laughs> <I'm kidding>. uh, <laughs> leadership. Yes, the um, 
ultimately sort of like misses the way that Christy runs the club and decides that um, she likes the kind of the scale and the pace of the work that the babysitters club do, as opposed to the California branch, which is called the we heart kids club. We love kids club. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I thought that was kind of interesting and honestly, like a little surprising that yeah that, that the structure of work is the thing that's like like i could see it if it were the dynamic of the friendships if that was like the bigger pull but the fact that and it, it is of course like part of what she deliberates over but i think it's funny that she's like and plus like the babysitters club is run so much more efficiently and like i'm trying to work five days a week so <laughs> i'm going I back didn't... to connecticut <laughs> did you say run more efficiently or did she say the pace to me, it seemed more like this is just not enough stimulation for me. Like when she was making her list of like, should she go back or not? And she has Clover and Daffodil, her sitting charges in California with their super California names on one side. But then she's got, you know, 30 kids on the Stony Brook side that she cares about. And that mm-hmm. just having a job here and there wasn't enough for the kind of relationships and the kind of like you know the the fullness of what well, she wants to lead do you think that dawn in in stony brook her babysitting is more of an identifier she's like i'm part of the babysitters club and in california the we heart kids she's just like oh this is not really something it's just something that they kind of do mm-hmm. not that i'm speaking from personal experience from working in new york and also california <laughs> oh you mean that like that the babysitters club thing has more of that like your job is tied up in your identity stuff that we've been yes. talking about before yeah i think yeah. so but i think also she's like i'm not working hard enough in the we heart kids club i gotta work harder <laughs> which i thought was kind of interesting yeah um and i think you know that the that the work is being portrayed as done differently is of course a, a archetype right of california versus new york but it's also one that like i think rings true at least for me um and i'm sure to you guys as well we can talk about this in california mythbusters or we could talk about it now but i thought like the portrayal even though it's clearly um you know archetypal and all this kind of thing is like pretty accurate like i that's how i imagine a california middle school's babysitter club would run as opposed to one on the east coast (laughs) yeah i i remember being a kid and really thinking that all of this was you know, very, at any time Anna Martin wrote about California stuff, thinking it was very silly and very like stereotyped and not really accurate. And particularly being from Northern California, right. I mean, she definitely writes about Southern California. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a, there's a pretty healthy rivalry in the state. And um, you're from the middle, but Anne and I being squarely from the, <laughs> the North, you know, when I went to college, large public university in California, most of the, lots of the people are from L.A. And what they thought about Sacramento was that it was like a field of cows, you know, um, which it is not. It's a city. It's the seat of our government. But um, there are also it, fields of cows outside, but not in Sacramento proper. I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I remember being really frustrated and not liking the way that she portrayed California. Um, And I do think having gone and lived on the East coast and then come back, there's definitely some truth there. Mm -hmm. The casualness of it all is the real thing for for me that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I feel it's funny because I'm very in terms of like when I moved to New York, 
I was seen as very laid back in my workplace, you know? And then I don't know if I increasingly got more New York while I lived there. But when I moved back to California, I was like, what the hell is up with these people? Because <laughs> like everyone was just, I just felt like everyone's like really slow and flaky. And I was like inefficient. <laughs> and I, you know, I still kind of struggle with that even now. Um, so gone like, of you. I, yeah. I feel like I just want everyone to be a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and like not take, not take like long lunch breaks and stuff. <laughs> how, how was it when you first got there? In New York? Like, what did people, yeah. What did people think about you at L Girl and places like that? Um, I think definitely the way I dressed was more casual. Like a lot of sweatshirts. And just like sneakers. Um, and I think that they thought, I remember like specifically telling them a story about how I had to move into a new apartment. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't have a bed. So I'm just going to like sleep on the floor until it comes. And they were like, what? <laughs> and they were like, that is like so California of you. You're just like, you just like don't care. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't know. I can sleep on the floor for like three days. <laughs> Yeah. But like stuff like that, they just said I was so like laid back and just like didn't care and, you know. So just- the funny part about this to me is that like Anne actually is kind of laid back and doesn't care and is like a little bit more taciturn about things. Whereas I, you know, grew up here in California and was like very much a go-getter and like a high energy person and like very busy and did a lot of things and um you know, I'm a Christie, right? I like got a lot of stuff done. And I moved to to New York to go to graduate school in psychology. I was 23 years old. And everybody in my graduate program was like, oh, you're so California. You're like the cool California girl in this way that I thought was hilarious because no one from California would ever say that about me. Like I'm kind of uptight and like a little bit like, like I'm not, yeah. I'm not about the competition, but I'm like a busy, like, let's get things done. Let's be efficient kind of person. But it was so like the context of not yeah, being but a you're also her. like that for like how many spider plants can I grow, motherfuckers? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> let's grow all the succulents. Let's get all the avocados. Where can I get the best price for all this shit that is <laughs> shitty on the East Coast? <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's exactly right. So I, and you know, I was 23. I moved to grad school like a year after graduating from college. So I was wearing my Converse All-Stars and my like concert t-shirts. And I like, this was the end of the 90s, early 2000s. I had a Muppet lunchbox that was my purse. And everybody (laughs) in Long Island looked at me like I was a freaking alien. And I had been living in San Francisco and at Berkeley and I dressed like average there yeah you know so funny (laughs) and I was like and I wore color like the stereotype of like people in New York wearing lots of black was surprising to me how true that was Mm -hmm. and so I did you know before living on the east coast I was like what are these California stereotypes and then when I got there I was like oh okay (laughs) yeah I mean most people guess that I'm from California to this day and or if they don't when I tell them everybody's like oh that makes complete sense like outside of my home I am wildly laid back my own home is a different you know don't move yeah. my stuff <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> 
Um, but I had a funny, so like that's been true in sort of grad school work environments. Like, and I've kind of doubled down on maintaining a mm. relationship to a California style of work-life balance. Like, and people often look to me at, to like solve problems because of that. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what's the like the best way we can do this that just is like a California form of efficiency. So like, how do we mm-hmm. meet? Um, how do we like placate everyone without stepping on anyone's toes and without like, um, you know, like getting caught up in all the bullshit ego stuff, which I right. think my, my, that's my, I, my yeah. totally. Yeah, I, I think like that's a California thing. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but socially I like stuck out. I have always stuck out as a sore thumb as a Californian. My first week in New York, I got invited to a surprise birthday party at an apartment as a friend I studied abroad with in France. And she invited me and my roommate, Lizzie, who's also from California. And it was the middle of August and it was the hottest August that there has been in the nine years that I've lived here. And it was disgusting. It was like so thick. We were both wearing jean shorts and tank tops and we arrived to this apartment it was at an apartment party, and every single person in this apartment was wearing like a cocktail dress. And I was like, <laughs> "What the hell? Did, was there like a uh, like a dress code to this party?" And it's at my friend's apartment. She was the one who invited me. She was like, "No," and I was like, "Why is everyone wearing a cocktail dress?" And she was like, "I don't know. Why are you guys wearing jean shorts?" And I was like, "Because it's fucking a hundred degrees outside, and it's so goddamn humid." And then all night at this party. Everyone was like, oh, my God, you guys are the California girls, right? We heard you came in jean shorts. And we were like, Jesus Christ. So for, like, the rest of my time in this with this group of friends in New York City, like, Lizzie and I have forever, like, that story follows us everywhere. Like, yeah. oh, you guys are the ones who sh- showed up in jean shorts, right? Yeah, on the hottest day of the year? Of course we did. Yeah. Oh, I what? have a very similar story where there was, like, a party at the beach house of a professor. And we were going to be, like swimming in the sound and playing beach volleyball so I wore shorts and a tank top and everyone else was in like business cash and I was like what are what's happening I don't understand like I thought this was like what you're all in your early 20s too like what are you doing that's wild wild yeah I don't get that at all that's why the only unmarried straight man in our department wanted to date me so it worked out is that your husband? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was like, who's that cool girl with the baby, you know, with the Muppets lunchbox and the Chuck Taylors? She seems interesting. <laughs> <laughs> she seems comfortable. Let me, let me oh, marry I, her. I cannot tell you also how many times I've been, I ha- somebody has made a comment vis-a-vis how comfortable I make myself physically in spaces that they oh. delivered as an insult, not as a compliment. Like, wow, you sure make yourself comfortable, like, because I slouch. And sometimes I go places and I'll just, like, lay down on a chair because, like, I feel, I don't know, it's comfortable. And everybody's like, what the, like, I've had multiple women say to me, oh, wow, I would never feel confident enough to sit like that in public. Yeah, I've had the exact same thing. You sure make yourself comfortable. I'm like, yeah. Why don't you? Why would I want to be uncomfortable? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah so there's a reason I moved back but it's interesting when what you say said about the management thing because I I manage a bunch of people at my job and many of them are from the east coast even though they work on the west coast and I definitely notice some like cultural gaps in my management philosophy with 
the, you know, the people that are, um, I, I think that I, I work well across the gaps having worked on the East Coast and stuff, but I think the people that are either native Californians or like escaped other parts of the country on purpose, you know, like I have someone on my team who is now a Californian and never wants to go back, who's from DC, but like prefers that, you know, um, have a different approach to work than the like New Yorkers and the Bostonians. It's weird. I don't get it. I mean, it's why I moved back to California because I was like, I can't deal with this corporate bullshit. Yeah. It's just, I ask me, what's your nickname for me in terms of my career? Oh yeah. You're the lazy hustler. Yep. Incredible. <laughs> that really perfectly, perfectly describes my approach to, to my career. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to do it, but I do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she, she's always talking to me like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, cause she's freelance. She's like, I don't know if I'll, you know, I'm worried about making this investment or doing this thing or making this life choice because I don't know my, my income's not stable. And I'm like, you've literally never had a break in your income since you went freelance. Like you hustle when you have to, and then you chill the fuck out when you can. And that's how you work. And it's fine. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm more of the like Bartleby school of, I would prefer not to. <laughs> But yeah. that's my my anarcho Marxism showing. So that yeah. there are pockets of that on every coast, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're all adjuncts only. at public universities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing a bunch of scriveners all lined up. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, very good. Well, I think you know, in terms of the psychology, this is sort of territory we've went over a few times before in other contexts. I think Anna Martin continues to portray divorce and moving very well, um, you know, in the same way that with Goodbye, Stacy, Goodbye and Stacy's Mistake, we've seen Stacy sort of torn between her childhood home and friends and her loyalty to the BSC and her experiences in Stony Brook. And that's what we see here. You know, Don goes home for a visit and then really considers moving back for a few days. Um, and I think in terms of tracking her emotions about it, I think Anna Martin does a really nice job. Um, it's also, you know, Don does a pros and cons, um, or really a pros, a pros and pros for good reasons to stay in California and reasons to stay in Connecticut. Um, and I thought it showed nicely why a non-weighted pros and cons doesn't usually help us make decisions, right? Right. <laughs> or with really big decisions that don't have a clear right answer, it's not mm-hmm. very helpful. Um, but I didn't get, I sort of didn't get, like, Mr. Schaefer's response to things like there was a moment where he was like super pressury about like well we'll have to change your plane ticket I was like do you like shouldn't she go home and say goodbye to her mom and pack up her stuff and like I feel like her relationship to her dad is confusing in this book too because you know we get we got earlier her kind of lamentations around the Disneyland dad phenomena but here we're like actually seeing them and it seems like they once had a kind of emotional closeness, right? But that like Mm -hmm. in moments where they're about to talk about something serious, she kind of like shies away from it. Like she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to mention the trip man. I don't want to wade into territory with my dad. That's going to like make things complicated, which like, I guess the separation of coasts is, is largely to do with that. But like, I, cause I don't think that that's necessarily like a function of divorce per se. And like, it's definitely not a necessary function of like a father daughter relationship Mm -hmm. you know I mean like from my own experience yeah well I think there's two pieces right there's like how infrequently she gets to actually see him and be with him you know we have we have evidence that she calls him and talks to him and that still feels close and comfortable with him 
but it's a big difference if you only see your parent every few months versus like every other week, you know? Um, and I get if she's feeling like I have these precious 14 days, I don't want to spend them talking about the trip, man. Like mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Um, I think she's still navigating how to define her relationship with her dad in this new mm -hmm. context. Right. Um, but I do think we get some sweet sibling stuff with her and Jeff that I like. Yeah. I liked that a lot too. Yeah. Although he seemed m less mature in this book than he had in other books. Well, are, are you equating clinical depression with maturity? No, like in the moments where they were like being s fun siblings in mm -hmm. Stony Brook, like I feel like they had slightly more elevated like discourse with one another. <laughs> That's true. But the context is important, right? If they're like horsing around on the beach or at Disneyland versus like sitting in the living room talking. Right. Or like making dinner or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think 10 year olds encompass, encompass both of those things. I, I just, I thought it was pretty good. I like I I thought they that she highlighted her struggle. I I do think that you know we've talked about this already, but being from California is um, it's hard to go other places. And I know the world mm -hmm. hates us because we say things like that, <laughs> but New Yorkers are worse about it. I feel like, yeah. um, but but I think it is you know well New York City is the only city. Right, exactly. Um, but, but I think California is a really amazing place. And, like, the avocados are really good. And, like, I mean, I think Anne's going to talk a little bit more about this. But I remember I drove across the country to move to Long Island to go to grad school. And my first morning there, I went to, like, a Bed Bath & Beyond or something to buy sheets for my new bed in my new house. And um, I was gave the guy my credit card and my ID. And he goes, you're from California? And I was like yeah, I just moved here for graduate school. And he looks down at my ID again. He looks up and he goes, why? Um, and I feel like, I was like, I don't know. You know? Um, I had that question a lot. Yeah. So, Especially because I moved from San Diego, which to people in the Northeast is like this mythical land where it's never, ever, ever, ever cold or cloudy. I mean, they're not wrong. It's never warm in San Diego, but no, it's also, but it's never, also cold. never cold. <laughs> yeah, it's always temperate. <laughs> yeah, it's always just right. Yeah, yeah. just right. Look, I'm it not going to brag, cold. but like it was pretty cool. <laughs> right, that's the thing. Yeah, it is really nice here. There's problems. It's really freaking expensive, but that's true about a lot of other places too. Um, but you know, there's a lot of nice things about it. Also, it's on fire all the time now. That's a little bit less nice than it used to be, but. Yeah, and we have no water down here. Yeah, well. So, no one move here. <laughs> well, I mean, we could talk about, I don't know how many other California books there's going to be, but there's like some reasons for that. You know, there was like, it oh, was yeah. sort of poorly settled by super problematic <laughs> uh, white people who killed a bunch of folks who had a lot of knowledge around like how to manage <laughs> droughts and <laughs> yeah. uh, not destroy the sort of natural landscape with, um, artificially generated farmland and all that stuff so you know details but disneyland <laughs> but disneyland disneyland um, let's start with some myth busting about disneyland i felt like that was not a very realistic disneyland section but i'll leave that to you Anne. oh just like their trip to disneyland the fact that she gets home by five to go to a meeting of the we love kids club yeah no i mean if they do live in anaheim so it's very close I know that people who live in Orange County and Anaheim often go to Disneyland for just like 
a half day sometimes. So, but but would you go week- during the Anaheim adjacent school district spring break? No, absolutely no. not. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting how her dad was so they could each pick three lands they could go to. Also, one of them was wrong. There's no my my copy. Maybe Emily has a newer book. My copy of the book lists jungle land. That is yeah. Not- that's not. Adventure no. Land. What are you talking about? Jungle Land. There's no I don't think it land. was ever called Jungle Land. It was not. It has always been Adventure Land. Yeah. I was I was very offended. I know. I, I'm curious what, what land would you guys pick to go to? If we could only pick like one land to go to. I don't remember the lands. Adventure Land. Adventure Land's probably Gold the Whip, best one. Indiana Jones ride. Jungle yeah. Cruise. I know it's racist. I don't like the racist part, but I love the puns. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just go for the Dole Whip, man. I mean, I will say, as me, Mike, and I went to Disneyland recently together, and it was really fun. Yeah, really? my friend yeah. works at Pixar, and he got us passes. And um, yeah, being three adults who can move very quickly through the park, we had so much fun. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> when you guys were in high school, did they send all the seniors to, like, in the whole state to grad night? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We drove. Well, you didn't have to drive as far. We drove all day, and then the park was open all night, and then we drove back all the next day. Mm-hmm. Which, which now sounds like hell. Hell. <laughs> but when you're a teenager, it's really it fun. Amazing. And we walked around <laughs> going Sacramento, represent, represent, and yelling at all the kids from LA. Oh my god, that's so lame. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> there were like raves the year that I went. Raves. Yeah, there were like DJs and all those oh, different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at the time, I didn't realize it, but a lot of my classmates were just like high or like on acid or mm-hmm. yeah, some yeah. kind of drug. Yeah. So many we drugs. Weren't. <laughs> we weren't. We, we were high on Disneyland. <laughs> That's right. Sacramento represent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Land Park. Yeah. <laughs> so besides Disneyland, so we have one. I mean, that that is not a myth. Everyone really does go go to Disneyland here and it's pretty cool. I had an issue with that everyone was blonde. Yeah. And then they were like, oh it's like a Scandinavian tour group or what did her dad say? Yeah. He said that. I was like, yeah. that's pretty annoying. You know Don would have at least one Asian friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would think. You know? Yeah, especially in Anaheim. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I found that a little bit I didn't like that. No. Um Everyone, the beach, they're very beach focused, which I guess if you're An- Anaheim is not that close to the beach. Mm-hmm. Just one yeah. point. It's like an hour away, maybe or less. Yeah. But I think they make more of a sort of hullabaloo over going to the beach than they do of Disneyland, which I think mm-hmm. is appropriate for the yeah. proximity. But yeah, Don's got to get her tan back. I feel like we should add a new tally column for avocados in this book. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't count, but I think it was at least five times, I would have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then she also, like, stashes them in her suitcase to bring home to her mom. Yeah. My friend Ellen visited me last year here, and we went to the farmer's market, and she she bought, like, five avocados and flew home with them. Yeah. She was, like, really, like, super into it. She's like, yeah, California avocados. (laughs) 
Um, After I went to the mattress store on my first day on Long Island, I went to the Waldbaums to buy produce at the height of tomato season, and they only had like hard orange tomatoes. And I stood and there and cried, just like lamenting what I had done. Did you really cry? Foul here. They're disgusting. I literally cried. I was like, oh no. Like I just, you know, know. I didn't know how good the produce was. I knew the produce was good in California, but I didn't know that like it really was not good elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can get avocados in in New York. You just have to buy them hard. You have to buy them hard and they're like $4 a piece. Also, their window of when they're good is so much smaller. Yeah, it's true. It's so humid. So like the second they get ripe, if you don't eat them right away, they get overripe immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've also learned that many of my friends who grew up in the Northeast in general, not even in just New York City, don't know how to tell when produce is good. Oh, right. At all. Mm-hmm. Any produce. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've also not eaten things that are like very basic to California. Like nobody in my grad program had ever eaten an artichoke. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, t- I taught probably 10 different people how to eat artichokes. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a photo of artichokes as a background on my phone, and everyone's always like, what is that? <laughs> like, it's an artichoke. It's several artichokes next to one another in a pile. Oh, never had an artichoke before. They're like, I thought it was just that pizza place. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds good right now, actually. <laughs> Um, so speaking of food, a lot of, there's a lot of health food, quote unquote health food in here. Mm-hmm. Um, Don's really stoked about how the We Heart Kids Club serves healthy snacks. Mm-hmm. Apple slices with peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Wow. I do love that snack. <laughs> no ring dings allowed, she says. But I like the green apples so that they're sour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. None of those sweet red apples are too too much like candy. <laughs> Yeah, too sweet. <laughs> no, I don't like those either. They, they tend to be mushy, I feel, also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the beginning of the book, to celebrate or, like, to have their last dinner together before Don goes to California, they go to a restaurant, a health food restaurant. Do you guys remember the name of this restaurant? Yeah. Cabbages and Kings. Yes. Yes. What? So I want to play a game. If we can think of a worse name for a health food restaurant than Cabbages and Kings. It's um, it's a line from the poem, isn't it? It's from like Owl and the Pussycat or something like oh, that. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, then I give it more of a pass. But at Cabbages and Kings, they have a wonderful tofu dinner. Sorry, it's from the Walrus and the Carpenter from um, Lewis Carroll from Alice in Wonderland. Sorry. Hmm. I was like, the time has come to speak of Cabbages and Kings. And why the sea is boiling hot and something. I don't remember it now, but. I think that's good. <laughs> yeah. Good enough for you. Yeah. And whether pigs have wings. The idea of pigs having wings comes from the walrus and the carpenter. But yeah, it isn't a great name. I mean, you want to come up with a worse one? Like. Brown rice casserole. <laughs> yeah. Or what was it? The cottage cheese salad. Right. No. <laughs> There's a new place in my neighborhood that is not doing very well. It's in a spot that just has like crazy turnover. It's probably haunted. But the most recent thing that they've tried to put there is something called Whole Bowl. So W-H-O-L-E-B-O-W-L. I've never seen a single person in there. 
Yeah, whole bowl is not a great name. But it's like the, no, the premise is it. like health food bowls, you know, like pick your grain, pick your whatever, like every other fucking place that does bowls, but it's called whole bowl. <laughs> it's hard to say. That's a it's really like, horrible name for like a restaurant. Juror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most restaurants don't have good names. And it, it, it's something that makes me angry, actually. It's a bold claim. It's true. What's okay. a restaurant that does have a good name? Mm, Chipotle. <laughs> the old spaghetti factory. Uh, that's a great name. Because <laughs> it is an old, well, it's not a spaghetti factory. It's an old, old building. <laughs> and they serve a lot of spaghetti. Okay. You just lost a lot of credibility for your claim that most restaurants have bad names when that was your example of a good one. So much credibility. <laughs> um, and then oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, the concert that the Newtons, Feldmans, and Perkinses go to when they have to babysit for, for like Rob and everyone. That's like the reason for babysitting. And I was thinking, you know, it, it's, this reminds me of when I went to go see Paul McCartney, like at Madison Square Garden. I don't know. I forget what year this was, maybe like 2008 or something. It was, no, I, I was there. Like what year was that? Five, four 2005. Five. But I just remember there were like a lot of like parents there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you remember there were those like those parents? I don't know if they were parents. I'm assuming they were, but they were like five rows below us, and they like barfed. <laughs> oh they were God. having a time because they were like, "This is it. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting fucked up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's our one party." Um, yeah. So, do you think it's like a MSG show? I think it's a like. I don't. I can't tell. It's either like, or are they going to like the Stony Brook Symphony? Symphony. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. or i guess they could be going to something in um in like in new haven or in stanford mm-hmm. maybe they're it, was it specifically a concert they said concert mm-hmm. interesting i mean it could be a symphony maybe, maybe they're going concert. to see um whatever band spider is in the insects yeah the insects. yeah i mean yeah. i would love if they're like super underground so this is like 89 like what if they're going to see like an early dinosaur junior show at like toads in new haven oh my god that it's would be possible. so fun we don't i mean yeah. we don't really know much about no about, their, about like who they are as people but i did i did a quick scan because i was like well this came out in in april 89 the book mm-hmm. So I was just bands usually go on tour when they put out an album, mm-hmm. and I was trying to be like, oh no, no. It was just like a lot of like poppy stuff. But I, in my head, it's someone they've liked before, who's had a longer career, and they put out a new album. So and then Tom Petty, you know. So I was like, oh, maybe was, maybe they would go see Tom Petty. Yeah. Where would they have seen him in New York or somewhere in Connecticut? It could be in Connecticut, I guess. But also New York isn't that far away. They could have just taken. Right. It's much know, too far for Mr. McGill to commute, you guys. Yes, but it's not too far for these party animals to go to see Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. They're like, let's barf tonight. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> we have two babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> they they rolled a joint. Oh, man. <laughs> they yeah. got high. Like, 
outside the venue. Amazing. Uh, someone, definitely someone threw up. Yeah. That sounds Cabbages right. and kings. <laughs> I'm always still mad about that. I am. I know. Oh, I forgot to mention that what 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 was up with Don's like judging us of the flight attendant? Oh my gosh, she I mean, hates she... that flight attendant. Mm-hmm. But I thought of it because cabbages made me think of Cabbage Patch dolls, which made me think of how Don like this. Yeah, which I didn't know what it was until I asked um my my fellow co-hosts and elders. <laughs> yeah. Elders. <Help>. <laughs> Yeah, she looks like a cupie doll, which is a really weird thing to say that an adult woman looks like, but that's cool. Yeah, she really hated her. I just was surprised she had such um, opinions about the proper way to be a flight attendant. I yeah. Just, I, I, I feel like that was Anna Martin raging at some bad flight she had. Really? But we also know Don has a lot of opinions about like how to be a good parent. That's true. Don has a lot of opinions. She can be kind of judgy, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, more mentions of spider plants. They should also yep. get a tally, tally column in this book. <laughs> yeah. Sunny was, Sunny was planting them. I mean, how do you guys feel about the representation of Californians in this book in general? Daffodil, clover, sunshine. I mean. Like a textile artist who sells in high-end boutiques. I mean, it's like partially true. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's a stereotype that I, has some truth at its root mm-hmm. yeah i think that's fair it, sure i just you know i just feel like i have no uh that that represents none of my upbringing at all yeah but she doesn't have any friends of color right is that true? <laughs> yeah the the like hippies who name their kids weird name is like a hundred thousand percent where i grew up where my dad lived i mean esme was gonna name her twins Okay, we don't have to talk about this every week. <laughs> Harmony and Melody. Oh, the other names on my list of future baby names were worse. One of them I stole from our friend Bean, and it was Rainshine. Like, <laughs> oh my god, stop! <laughs> no, Rainshine. I, I know. I'm gonna it's start terrible. calling Keely Rainshine. <laughs> well, give me another one. I need one for June. <laughs> oh, no. I don't remember. I do like flower names, actually. I really like Zinnia. I still like that name. But Mm. anyway. No clover or daffodil? No clover or daffodil. Yeah, see, I mean, you're just like really proving the stereotype correct. I know. I love a flower name. (laughs) I I love a flower name. You like a flower name, too, don't you? Oh, I love a flower name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I don't know. I, I get why it's a stereotype. I don't know why, like, they all like ghost stories. That seems weird. But... Mm -hmm. Oh, this is the first time, Emily, you didn't mention it. This is the first time that um, Dawn specifically describes Trip, her mom's boyfriend, as conservative. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just as a real conservative type. That's a word we haven't seen before. Yeah, but I I read her as using that not in an explicit politically way, but as a, like, representation of his kind of, like, old money um, manners. Mm-hmm. Right? That, and especially compared to, like, a casual... California person that like right. he has more rules about decorum or whatever. Yeah. Okay, if it was like Don's mom, so they went to a lecture about humor. Yeah. Don was so mad. <laughs> Insanity. I thought that was a great touch. That was really funny. Yeah. Okay, Esme. What do you, well, in terms of Claudia's candy, not really anything. 
No, we I just mean, got a lot of insults about it. And we got we love kids club. What else did they eat other than apples? And um, did you keep track they, of the whole food? Well, at at her like party, um, they have fresh pineapple wedges, mm-hmm. and then zucchini bread and carrot cake, which are not really healthy. No, but they but, do show yeah. up a lot around here. Yeah, they um, eat at the beach. They have an avocado salad with shrimp and sprouts. Yum. Yeah, that's um, bomb. And an unusual potato salad. <laughs> it's I unusual because it doesn't have mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah, that's how I read that too. It's like an herbed potato salad that most people would say is delicious. Yeah. Wait, have you? Do you guys have any friends from the Midwest? Sure. Yes. Like, have they ever explained what salad is to them? <laughs> They're just like salad is just like anything mixed with mayo. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, now who's stereotyping? <laughs> I can I can get on board with that though. I, I think Sacramento is the Midwest of California. That's my It's statement. true. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I describe Sacramento to people and yeah. I'm like, it's like the biggest city in the Midwest, but it's in California. My um I have a couple really good friends from the Midwest and I always talk about how much I love people from the Midwest. And my friend Kara was like, no, you love people from the Midwest who have left the Midwest and live in California. You don't know any like actual people from the Midwest. This is true. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I love those people. So funny. Um, They have guacamole and vegetables. Delish. And oh, I didn't write down the stuff that their housekeeper slash cook makes for them, but those are like fancier foods. But one thing was like a like a, a trout covered in cheese or something. Oh, yeah. That, that sounded disgusting. It was disgusting. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, what? Why do you have fish fillets with cheese? It was like, she yeah. was like it's like a, a, a steamed like or like a roasted fish with tomatoes. I was like, okay, great. Delicious. Covered in a cheese sauce. Well, That's I was like, disgusting. is it like a bechamel sauce? Because like that doesn't go on fish. No, it doesn't. Cheese and fish just don't go together. No. Um, they did have like a tasty sounding breakfast though that she cooked them. They said like mm-hmm. like egg puffs or something. This yeah. sounds very fancy, whoever this woman is. Can and I just Don- note that we've been talking about food for like 20 minutes. I think because it's like every all of us sh- need to eat. <laughs> Emily, also, you always curb us because Anne and I can talk about food forever. <laughs> so, all right. Wait, wait, yeah. can we do, wait, can we just guess what Dawn's dad does? Oh, mm. good point. I don't know because I can't figure out. Like, I feel like he makes a good salary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you What would you do in Southern California in the late eighties that would make you like moderately rich? Is he a, Is he a drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he like. I, I does he work in the in, Does he work in like the industry in L.A. Oh, like in a, like some kind of background role, like maybe in financing or mm-hmm. yeah, like for a big production company or something. Like but that. I feel like I she know. would say that if so, because yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. is he like a real estate agent? Oh, maybe. Yeah, he could be a real estate agent. Yeah. I feel like that. That's interesting. Tracks with him. Yeah. Because okay. he's not like a lawyer and he's not like. The CEO of Sunbeam. <laughs> the only jobs we know so far. <laughs> so For true. the dad right. of the BSC. All right. Not a lot of tallies in this book, my friends. Um, Don may be judgmental of 
um, stewardesses, which is what she calls them. So that's on my social justice list. Um, she also refers to Indians at some point, I think not in an effective way. Hold on. Let me check that. It's on page 78. I don't remember it now. Oh, they say uh, it was Clover pretending to be an Indian brave or something like that. She also wants to see gypsies at the carnival. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clover is all over the place with her mm-hmm. racial slurs. Apparently um, but... her flower child parents didn't teach yeah. her about. <laughs> but tropes, we get um, one Chrissy's bossy and one Mariana shy and that's it. Hmm, interesting. So she's not describing the others very much in this book. What did you guys have for your weirdest line? Mm-hmm. I wrote down one. Which one? It is cat, hat, rat, fat, Claire. <laughs> I, you know what? That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Claire signs her name. Yeah. It likes invisible ink. Oh, that yeah. She, that's what she wrote. Using the invisible ink with milk. Yeah. I used to, I used to do that. Okay. I have a different one. Okay which is when they're leaving the beach and Mr. Schaefer says, blonde convention, ho. I wrote that one down too. Yeah, that one's good too. Yeah. I mean, that one ties in better to the theme of the book, Mm -hmm. but I still like. Alternately, Claire. It's funny. Cat, rat, fat, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had, I also had blonde convention, ho. I you know it's not usually that you get to see like ho used in that way. I don't. I thought it was good. Yes, but I I can be convinced to do cat hat fat rat Claire if that's what you guys really want. And I think that's what I want. Okay, Okay. great. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. What about pizza toast? We have a lot of options. I feel. Um, we could pizza toast to California. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done that yet. Which is kind of amazing with the three of us. Yeah, I don't no. know how we haven't, frankly. Do you avocados, spider plants? Oh, let's 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 pizza toast to avocados. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. They are delicious. Okay. Pizza toast to avocados. Two avocados. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuckinstonybrook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.